for the boy scout that's very interesting phase of my life my son is now graduated he got the eagle scout which i'm always proud of him but i also find that is a good outlet boy scout is a very good outlet for parents to learn along with their kids so while my son was in the boy scout earning his merit badge but i was always helping him how to you know do the ski or or do the camping and what challenges you can have doing the camping or how to set up the tent for an example but at the same time how to build a leadership within the kids right how to talk and how to interact and how to bring the synergy with other kids so it's also another outlet which really i'm always thankful to boy scout because indirectly while my son was in the boy scout along the way i was also learning a lot from the boy scout welcome to humans of infosec a show about real people their work and its impact on the information security industry Today, I'm joined by Tejpal Garwal, the Director of DevSecOps and Application Security at Pega. With more than 26 years of experience in application development and product security, Tejpal has led multiple security and dev teams and set the direction for information security application architecture, policy, and processes within numerous organizations. He holds numerous certifications and degrees from places like Harvard, the New York Institute of Technology, and the National Institute of Information Technology. Tejpal is a guest with so much expertise, and I cannot wait to dive into our conversation. Tejpal, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with me. I'm really glad to be here. Tejpal, let's start at the beginning of your career. What set you on the technology path? And what have been some of the most pivotal moments in your career? Yeah, sure. So, you know, somehow I've been like really interested uh, in breaking and fixing things. And that, that's my kind of interest from the beginning, from my childhood. And it's something like opening the radios or transistors and looking into it and see how it works. And same goes with that. TVs at that time I had CRT, cathode rays, TV, the big ones. I always try to open them up, see what is inside and see how things work. So that has always been my interest. And, uh, you know, when I was uh, immediately after my graduation, I started developing software. And at that time we had DBase 3 Plus or Fox Pro. Those were, I don't know if people even remember those software. But those are the software I started building up. And I started selling those to the local, you know, local businesses. And because I, as and when I used to go to get the groceries for my mom, where always she used to tell, send me to the store. And I see they have the booklet where they write with the pen and give me the receipt. I say, how about we make it some automation, things like that. So I build those software. I sell it to them. Sometimes I just give it to them and just show them that, hey, how cool it will be you can maintain and do it on computer. So that was kind of a, I always been interested in those ones. That's where kind of my interest started. And another good moment in my career was I worked in one of the 
diamond processing company back in India, my very early days, and I kind of helped build the software by, you know, maintaining the inventory and processing application, how the diamonds get processed in the different stages and how it can turn from rock to a diamond. So I, that was kind of a really, I always remember those moments. And also in Singapore and Malaysia, I worked on a project. It's called the SCADA project, which is like provisory control and data acquisition where you, your software interact with the hardware. And I helped them build the software for the smart buildings. So I was heavily involved that with them. And in recent year, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, even, I built up the application where you have to write, you know, financial application. I put entire logic in the stored procedure because at that time, the era was classic ASP and not even .NET at that time. It was just transitioning into and where could I hide or embed my logic and I put that logic in store procedure. And believe it or not, I'm not going to name the company name, but they are a famous financial corporation and they still have that logic or architecture where all the business logic is embedded in the store procedure. <laughs> so that, that's where I'm coming from. And also one more thing to point out how I got into information security or application security. It changed really in one single day. As everything happens in the current market condition in one fine day, we had a big layoff in the morning. Say, okay, we are cutting costs. Here is the pink slip. But the good thing happened the same day. At that time, I was working as a director of uh, software engineering for product development. My CSO comes, come, came to me and say, hey, do you want to join my team? Because we are looking for people who has background in software development. So in one single day from morning to evening, I'm transitioned from software engineering to application security. Wow. These are all such incredible stories. You know, I can imagine you as a boy going to the grocery store because your mom asked you to and, you know, offering to help with some automation and to show small business owners, you know, the power of computing. And then at diamonds and smart buildings and finance apps. And, you know, one of the things that I love most about this podcast is that our guests are all esteemed experts in the field. And yet, every single guest at one point did not know anything about information security. <laughs> and in fact, there's a point in each of our lives when we had never even touched a keyboard. So thank you so right. much for sharing that with us. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. Tejpal, your background brings together two fields that we talk a lot about in this podcast. One of them is software development. Another is application security. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we talk about these two as if they're two totally separate worlds that cannot mix together. What do you think about this? You know, this is a very interesting question, Carolyn. And also, I would say that it depends on how we look at it strategically. But yes, to your point, there are, these are still two different worlds in some of the organization, in my observation. And it really comes down to how we build software and what every organization appetite is towards security risk. 
See, the developers always focus, in my observation, they are always focused on building cool features, developing great functionality to make their product better, and also definitely bring new features to the market and stay ahead of the competition. And this all drives the business objective and because of the competition in the market and staying ahead of the game. So there is no room or there is no thought to even think about the security. And that's the developer's perspective. However, on the flip side, from security folk like me and some others, we all think about, talk about how to write safe code how to keep our software that we are delivering free of vulnerability, how we can reduce or have less risk or acceptable risk. And as a security individual, we always not, we are not always concerned about the functionality, but more concerned about the risk or the vulnerabilities. So definitely there's a two perspective and nothing is right or wrong. But we need to have something to glue together as in harmony where we can not only build cool software, but we also build these cool software as secure as possible. I like that perspective very much. And I wonder to what extent the SDLC can be the glue that you mentioned. Tejpal, I wonder... From your perspective, what makes a smooth and productive SDLC and what kinds of things can help bring these two security and development mindsets and also practices together? Yeah, that's another interesting question. And again, the SDLC is basically the, you know, the rail on which V means the company builds software, this kind of framework or the stages. And these stages are not, have not changed or not going to change no matter what framework or the development framework we adopt, agile or waterfall, whatnot. So we'll continue to, you know, think about new idea. We design it, we develop it, we test it, we deploy it, right? These are, will remain same at least in the near future. Now, what we can do is, to build the bridge between the development and security. How we can empower our developers with giving them the certain tool that can help them to, you know, surface certain risk, security-specific risk early in the process. How we can build the software which is secure by default and secure as we are developing it. And all I'm coming down to say that how we can shift left or think about security as early as possible in the SDLC. And here are some of the tools or some of the strategy, but most importantly is build the bridge, which can be done by security champions, meaning takes representative or get the nomination of the representative from the development team. They can be evangelist, they can be ambassador, but they also have the appetite of at least started understanding what are we talking about and why we are talking about security. That glue and the building the bridge is very important in the SDLC, in my view. And when we think about the SDLC, we know that each stage has certain, uh, you know, quality gate. 
whether once you finish the design, then only will develop. What will happen if there is, if we can catch certain risk at the beginning of the phase, this phase, which is design phase. So while we are saying, hey, one plus one equal to two, the addition functionality that we are building, can we think about what could go wrong in that one? And that in terms is a secure by design, or can we think about the threat modeling for an example, because you're designing it. And then as you, in the next stage, when you're developing it for an example, it would be cool to have some tools that can say, when you're writing, let's say, SQL query, and you say, hey, you are writing this query, and it can be prone to a SQL injection. Can we empower our developers with such tool that can help them to identify such risk without making any additional effort? So instead of thinking about security as an afterthought, which is like if you see, look at the SDLC and look at the rightmost side, that's where people or the, some of the organization still think about security at that stage. So all, if we visualize, we can put certain security quality gate on the each stage of the SDLC. That way, without doing any much effort, we can make it more secure. We can deliver more secure software. Just to wrap it up, so let's say, think about open source scanning when you are developing the software, run the scans. And before you deploy the, your software, even before the testing, think about the dynamic application security testing. And then think about as soon as ready to go to the market or out of the door, think about the penetration testing. So as you can see, you have put certain quality gates in your SDLC where you will have better control or visibility or transparency on the risk. And another thing, uh, Caroline, I would like to mention is that if you're finding vulnerability at the end of the SDLC, it's expensive. Just literally, there's a bigger dollar value on the vulnerability of the issues you find at the end of the cycle compared to the early in the cycle. I hope that answers the question. What a beautiful and fantastic response. You know, a couple of items that I just want to highlight. I love that you talk about it using these concepts of glue and of bridge building and also incorporating a mindset of, you know, can we come together and think about what might go wrong? I love this, Tejpal. Thank you. Great. Tejpal, sometimes when people bring up this term DevSecOps, there's a way where sometimes what people mean is how can security people get devs to listen? When of course, in reality, as we've been discussing, it's it really should be a dialogue. It should be a two-way conversation. And if I am representing security people, <laughs> I wonder if you can give me a developer perspective and maybe some advice. What do you think makes it challenging to work with security people from a developer's point of view? Yeah, I would say that in some cases, it's a big cultural change because as a developer, I would continue to develop my software the way I've been asked to develop or that's how I'm used to, which is again to the earlier points which uh, we have talked about, like 
focus on building cool feature, focus on earn, ready to go to the market and stay ahead of the competition, right? And there was, I'm not really worrying about as a developer about the security. However, as we talked about in the earlier question, uh, how we can build the bridge by having the security champions. And also, you know, think about as simple as what could go wrong. The software that I'm building, what could go wrong? For an example, as I mentioned, threat model. It's always look as a very overwhelming uh, plethora of new work that I have to do as a developer. And I don't have time because my clock is running. I have a deliverable timeline and I have no room for threat modeling. That's a one way of thinking as a developer. However, if I say, okay, threat modeling, I have 50 function in my overall, if I look at the holistic view of overall architecture of the functionality that I'm developing. And as a developer, I can I pick just one function out of, let's say, I'm making up 50 functions. And think about that one function, that what could go wrong? What could be the attack surface I can see if I'm having a, as simple as a text box? Can this text box be a issue for cross-site script, for example? And if, we can, if I can avoid that kind of vulnerability. So as I'm saying, breaking a bigger problem as a small chunk, and fixing that. And if it look at the security perspective, and I'm just giving the example threat modeling, we can start with small, pick one function and scale it up. And you don't have to boil the ocean at one shot. And because the security is a journey and definitely not a project. So whatever we can do in order to start at least thinking and embedding in our thought process, in our culture that, hey, I have to do certain thing in the design time. I have to do certain thing in the development time. And it's just start with the thought and, and that conversation. That's where the conversation start. I do not know how to do the threat modeling, for an example, as a developer. That's where the dialogue start. That's where the conversation start. And that's where security campaign come in picture. And that's where the healthy conversation with the security people start. Because now we are building the partnership rather than two distinct sides of the river. So I think uh, if we start with that mindset, it's always easy to have a conversation. It's always build more uh, synergy. It's always build more, you know, conversation become very healthy and productive in my view. Fantastic. Tejpal, you have shared with us some of your perspective as software developer, as application security practitioner. I know that in your past, you've also volunteered with organizations like Boy Scouts of America and the U.S. Veterans Medical Center. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your efforts there and why activities like these have been important to you. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for asking this question because uh, in our day-to-day life, we, we work for job, whatever we do, but we always forget the aspect of connecting with the community. And that's where I think I love to have stay involved in the community. And that's where I connected through Toastmaster International, which is 
would say the organization, non-profit organization for leadership and uh, speaking skills. And I connected as a club coach because I had to complete certain credit for my distinguished Toastmaster award. And that the, one of the club in U.S. Veteran Medical Center in Jamaica Plain, they were kind of did not were not performing very well. So I appointed there as a coach, which I picked, and I was I had a choice what I can which club I should pick. So I picked the U.S. Veteran Medical Center and helped that club to engage with people and you know tell them and taught them, teach them that of how public speaking can build their character, how professionally they can help them and also cultivate leadership skill in them. So that was my goal and that is my objective to connecting with the U.S. Med- Medical Center through the Toastmaster International as a club coach. So I was glad and I always remember I made friend over there and we, I used to go there every Thursday to do the meeting, meet with the people and always talk about how we can engage more people in the public speaking, how we can build leadership skill in that organization. And for the Boy Scout, that's very interesting phase of my life. My son is now graduated and he got the Eagle Scout, which I'm always proud of him. But I also find that it's a good outlet. Boy Scout is a very good outlet for parents to learn along with their kids. So while my son was in the Boy Scout, earning his merit badge, but I was always helping him uh, how to, you know, do the ski or do the camping and what challenges you can have doing the camping or how to set up the tent, for an example. But at the same time, how to build a leadership uh, within the kids, right? How to talk and how to interact and how to bring the synergy with other kids. So it's also another outlet, which really I'm always thankful to Boy Scout because indirectly my son was in the Boy Scout along the way. I was also learning a lot from the Boy Scout. That's so wonderful. I love to hear about these other parts of your life as well. Tishpal, it has been so wonderful to learn about your story today. Thank you again on behalf of our listeners uh, for your generosity in taking the time to speak with me as well as for being so open about your experiences. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt, a pen test as a service company. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec.